Welcome to Activate Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you, and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. I'm just going to jump straight into this morning and say to you that every journey begins with a step. Every journey begins with a step. And one of the things I love most about today is that you are sitting here today and you get to make decisions today that you can walk in tomorrow. Every journey begins with a step. And however you came to be in church today, no matter your background, your situation, your present circumstances, if you want to, today you can make a decision to step in a different direction if you want your life changed. I love that. I remember when I first came back to uh, uh, you know, rededicate my life to God and I'd been uh, uh, a Christian as an adult uh, you know, for, for just a short amount of time. And I came to Activate Church, and I remember Pastor Corey was speaking to a group of us, and he was just talking about really, you know, what it takes to have this authentic Christian experience and life. And I remember he said this point to me, he, to, to all of us, you know, but it, it made a point in my mind. And he got this from a mentor of his, and he said this, if you want to be a man of God, then you need to get up before 6 a.m. And I thought, man, you found the wrong guy. I am not your guy. I am not the person for you. better find someone else because I don't like to get up at, before 6 a.m., you know. And, uh, and you know, I'll, I'll be honest, though. Uh, when we talk about getting serious or, or being real about our relationship with God, guess what? I, I just want to encourage you all today. It doesn't begin with waking up at 6 a.m. You know, like I will say this to you though: since I became uh, a Christian and and a dad, um, I found that my quiet time is hard to find. So even though initially I rejected that, I'll tell you right now, I completely embrace it because it's just easier to have that quiet time with God in the morning. But guess what? That's not your first step necessarily. I choose to believe that God is still awake at 7 a.m. For those of you that are night people, good news, he's still awake at 11 a.m. So I mean, I know that maybe that's just rolling across you right now, but trust me, this is going to go down so well tonight with some of our young adults that come along, you know? They're not here, so you already know that they embrace that, okay? So, so it, this is not what it takes to be authentic and, and, and to be real. No, in fact, Ephesians 3.17 says this. I want to tell you about where it starts today. Three, Ephesians 3.17 says, Christ will dwell in your heart through faith. If you're going to begin an authentic journey by following Jesus, the very first step is to invite him into your heart. And the reason why people do this is because your heart, interestingly, is the place that makes a lot of your decisions, okay? So it's, we, we've learned this over the last couple of weeks that sometimes we can have all the right information, but information alone isn't enough to help us make the right decisions. Have you ever noticed in life that you can have all the information with your mind and with your heart still walk in the wrong direction? And so really, the Bible is so clear, it says, let Christ be the center of your heart. And when you make a decision to make Christ the center of your heart, invite him into your life, and you start to take that step towards him. We, we have a word that we use sometimes in church to describe that, and the word we use is called repentance. And repentance is a word that simply means this. It means to stop walking 
the direction that you're going. It actually means to turn 180 degrees and start to walk after Jesus. And this is why I say I love this message. I love the gospel message because wherever you find yourself today, if you made a decision today to stop going the way that you were going, and some people, I'll tell you this right now, there are plenty of Christians that are headed in the wrong direction. And with their minds, they understand who God is. But with their actions and their behaviors, they're still walking in the wrong direction. And if you made a decision today, you know, to say, I'm going to stop going in that direction. Maybe I'm going to stop hanging out with some of those people that are leading me away. I'm going to stop looking at some of that stuff that I shouldn't be looking at on the internet. I'm going to stop, you know, heading this way. I'm going to turn. I'm going to face Jesus. I'm going to walk after him. Here's the good news. You can do that today and it becomes effective immediately. And the moment that it does, something really interesting happens. In 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19, it says that your body becomes a temple for the Holy Spirit. Wow! Now, if you're a Christian and you've been in church for, let's say, you know, a couple of years now, the truth is, is that you've heard that before. I think that sometimes we're in church so much and, and, and we listen to um, you know, these messages and we accept these things as truth. And when we hear them, they kind of just lose their power. Could we stop for a minute and just reflect on that incredible truth, which is that your body becomes a temple for the Holy Spirit? The God that you read about in the scriptures that created the earth and everything in it. The God that you read about the part of the oceans, the God that you read about that did all of the miracles, everything you see, he's the same God that lives in you and lives in me. I tell you what I love about, about this message, the, the gospel message and having the spirit of God live in you. The, it doesn't really matter how old you are. It's the, the same Holy Spirit that dwells in me dwells in you. The, the, the very same one. And that's why I feel like even when, when we have small children, it's the same spirit that dwells in them that dwells in me. I, I think that sometimes, you know, we, we, we grow and we mature in life. But the truth is, God can take anyone at any stage in life, no matter how old they are, and use... Oh, come on. Isn't that good? It's like four of you excited about it. My, my God, this is awesome stuff, is that God would make his home in you in your life. I think it's incredible. You know, I, I start to think about that and think, you know, if God really would make his home in us, shouldn't you be able to see it? Come on. Shouldn't you be able to see it? Shouldn't it be obvious? I mean, if you find somebody that's not a Christian and you tell them, that the Holy Spirit, that God lives in you, wouldn't you want them to say, yeah, I've noticed. Yeah, I can see it in you. And when God shows up in your life and he is so obvious and apparent that he's there in your, in your world, right? We have a word for that. It's called manifest. And the word manifest means to make something plain or obvious 
And what the Holy Spirit does is he shows up in your life and it becomes obvious to everyone that he's in your life because God starts to do things with people and it becomes apparent that there's something supernatural about an individual. One of the supernatural things that God does is he gives people spiritual gifts. It's one of the questions that people ask. Tell us about spiritual gifts. I I want to read a passage of scripture to you. It's going to come up on the screens for you. And this comes out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it says this in in verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, okay, because there's lots of gifts. But it's the same spirit. There's varieties of service, but... It's the same Lord, there's a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation. There's that word again, the word that means to make something plain and obvious. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, and here's the reason why it's given. It's given for the common good, which means that whatever God gives to you, He wants you to use it to bless the people around you. Because you don't get a spiritual gift to sit at home in your, in, in your closet and just enjoy that gift there. You're supposed to be using it. You're supposed to take what God's given you and, and, and express it so it blesses all the people around you. It's used for the common good. It says, for one, or for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. Uh, To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So God puts gifts, these, these incredible gifts, spiritual gifts, in the hands of ordinary and everyday believers in Jesus. But not everyone believes that. Not everyone believes that. I think one of the reasons why people don't believe it is because, in truth, they just haven't seen it. And sometimes people don't, they struggle to believe in something that they haven't seen. And even in Christianity, entire movements have been formed around whether spiritual gifts even exist or not. And I think that if people were to witness these things, this is, this is just encouraging you to use what you've got so that people can see it. Because when people don't see it, they don't know that it's real. They don't know it exists. I used to work in recruitment. And I remember one day, Uh, I was having a conversation with my boss. I was new there. I had been working there for about six months, but I hadn't told anybody that I was a Christian because oftentimes that can just get people to form perspectives and opinions in their head about you before you've even introduced yourself. So so six months, I just kept on being who I was, but I I never told anybody that, that I was a Christian. And so my boss was sitting across from me and we were having a conversation and she said to me that she couldn't have children. And I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. I said, I I didn't realize that. Um, Have you done something about it? Like, have you gone and seen someone? And she said this to me. She said, oh, Ben, she says, I've prayed to God about it, right? And I thought, that's just something that you're saying right now, because I got the impression that she wasn't really much of a prayer. 
And she said, oh, Ben, I prayed to God about it. And I decided that this was my opportunity at this very moment to sort of come clean and, and, and just be open and honest about it. So I said back to her, and, and what did God say to you? And she looked at me like I had two heads. She said, what are you talking about? I said, what? you told me that you asked God. I was just wondering what he said to you. She said, what do you mean what he said to me? I said, oh, well, you know God speaks to people all the time. I mean, sometimes God's going to speak through his word. Uh, sometimes God's going to speak through other people. Uh, sometimes God will speak directly to you. And you said that you asked him, so I just wondered what he said to you. She said, what are you talking about? Like, she couldn't wrap her head around it. And the reason that she couldn't is because she'd never heard the voice of God. She hadn't experienced the kind of ex- ex- church experience or relationship with God where he would speak. So she thought that didn't happen. And here's what I want to say to you. Be very careful about forming theology out of your own personal experience. Because if you were to uh, form theology, and by the way, everyone's got a theology. I said this last week. Some are informed, some are not informed. Theology is just what you hold to be true about God. It's what you believe to be true about God. And everyone's got an idea about how God works and how God operates. But if you were to form your theology based out of your own personal experience, then you might be willing to say today that God doesn't raise people from the dead. And if you were willing to say that, I've got to tell you, you're in all kinds of trouble because our entire faith rests on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So just because you haven't seen it doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't happen. I can tell you right now, all around the world, God is doing supernatural things. People are being raised from the dead in this day and age, whether you've seen it or not. If I was going to put that spiritual gift, raising of the dead, under a category, I might put it under, I mean, I feel like if I put it under the category of, of healing, yeah, I guess death could be healed. I'd put it under the working of miracles, you know. That's a, that's a miracle right there where if someone get raised from the dead. And how about this? God wants to place gifts like that in your hand. And he wants to do supernatural things with just ordinary and everyday people. Guys, that's why we run Growth Track. Do you know what Growth Track is all about? Most of it is about helping you to find your spiritual gifts and then giving you an avenue to express that gift. So if you have no idea what your spiritual gifts could be, you should do Growth Track. We are so passionate at Activate Church about helping you to find the reason why God made you and what he wants to do with your life and with your future. And I think that if you took the time to stop and to pray and to listen to God, you might be surprised what he says to you. You might be. I remember one day I was at church. I was working at the church at this time. I was working on my computer. And God spoke to me. And he said, I want you to stop what you're doing right now I want you to, uh, you need to leave immediately, close your laptop and, and just, you need to go straight away to your grandma's house. I've never heard anything like that. That's an odd thing to hear from God, right? But it, the impression on me was so strong, I thought, all right. So I just closed my laptop. I stopped what I was doing immediately. I didn't even tell people I was going. That was such a sense of urgency on this request. So I got up, I walked out, I grabbed my keys. I didn't say goodbye to anyone. I just got straight in my car and I left immediately. I have discovered there is a big difference 
between hearing God and acting on what he says. A big difference between hearing God and acting on what he says. You need to know something. Whenever God speaks to you, whenever God asks you to do something or appoints you to a task, he always anoints you to do it. Do you know what anointing is? It's special grace and divine favor in your life to help you accomplish what would previously have been impossible. And whenever God asks you to do something and challenges you to maybe step out or maybe use some of those spiritual gifts that you've got, there's going to be part of you that's deeply and profoundly challenged by that. But you should know that if he ever asks you to do something, he's going to give you provision to enable you to do it. And the reason why he does is because I think a lot of the times when God asks us to do something, it comes across as a great challenge to us to step out in faith and use what God has given to us. Sometimes it feels like it's going to be impossible. And you can be profoundly challenged by the words that God speaks to you. I'll tell you about a man in the Old Testament that was profoundly challenged by something that God asked him to do. His, his name was Jonah. Jonah was a prophet to King Jeroboam the, the second, and at the time in Israel there was another prophet. His name was Amos, and they were both prophets, but I guess God had two, so he decided to send out one. And so he comes to Jonah and he says, I want you to go to this great city called Nineveh. You read the words, great city, the great city of Nineveh. Yeah, it was a big city. It was a vast city. But if you were to ask Jonah, I don't think he saw it as a great city at all. The people of Nineveh were the kinds of people that were like a war-mongering nation. They would strap people up and tie them up and, and cut their stomachs so that they could watch themselves die. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you for the kinds of people that they were. And so God is going to bring disaster upon this nation or this city called Nineveh unless they repent. So God says to Jonah, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh and tell these people that they need to repent. And he's like, no. <laughs> so he goes down to the docks and he says, where's all the ships going to Nineveh? They said, they're over here. He said, all right, well, is there any ships going in the opposite direction? They said, we have a ship leaving to Tarshish. He says, great, I'll be on that one. <laughs> so to paint this picture in your mind, if Nineveh is here, Tarshish is like the furthest possible place it could be. He came, he was like, I want to go over here. In fact, Tarshish was the furthest place that people would sail to in this day. He literally tried to pick the furthest possible point. So you know the story. He gets on the boat and they start to sail. And then a great storm arises and, and the sailors can't figure it out. They're like, hey, so what's going on here? Like, you know, this is a crazy storm. And they're trying to offload stuff and, and try to save themselves. Jonah realizes that this storm has come because he's trying to uh, uh, get away from God. And this is just a really good lesson for you to learn. You will never outrow God. And sometimes he's going to put his hand on your life. And when he does, you know, you know what? Honestly, just try not to do what God's asked you to do. Just see how that works out for you. It didn't work out for Jonah. So Jonah says to the other sailors, oh, look, you know what? The only way that you're going to um, um, get out of this storm is you have to throw me off board. And they're like, no, that's a crazy idea. 
And there's five minutes later, they're like, throw him over. And so they, you know, so they get him and they throw him over. If you know the story, it says a sea monster comes. It wasn't a whale. It's a different word in the Hebrew language. And a sea monster comes and it takes him. And he's in the belly of that animal, that, that sea monster, for three days. Just enough time for him to die to himself and accept, you know, hey, come on, let's be honest. right? Three days in the stomach of anything. And you're like, I'll do whatever you want me to do, you know. So, so there he is, and, and, and he gets spit out on the beach, and then he has to make this trek that's about 800 kilometers. It's like traveling from here to, to, to Sydney, but, but on a camel. And that journey takes about three weeks. So for three weeks, right, he's just thinking about this, you know. He's thinking about, uh, what am I going to do when I get there? But if you know the story, he gets to Nineveh, these horrible people. I love this story because really... God wants to save everyone, you know? Like, if you want to know what kind of God we have, it's the kind of God that looks at people like that and says, you're worth saving, you know? And so, and so Jonah gets there and, and he comes and he preaches and to his disappointment, they repent. And, 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 you know, and the whole city is, you know, kind of spared. And I, I think about that story. I think about this man named Jonah and I realize there was so, not, so much of Jonah in his ministry call. He heard, he was anointed and he was also appointed, but he didn't want to act on it. He just didn't want to do it. Do you know anybody like that, that is called by God and living in, they've camped by that place in Egypt, denial. (laughs) They're living in denial. I see so many people with a ministry call with the grace of God on their life to do something, but they're like, not yet, not yet, I'm waiting. I'm like, I'll just keep waiting then. But in the meantime, you know, it's people's lives that end up getting affected by that. Do you, you want to know what it's like to really follow Jesus? You want to know what it's like to have, a, to have an honest relationship with God? The, the Bible actually talks about it. This comes out of, it's on the screens for you guys right now. This comes out of Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. It says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Let me go ahead and just replace that with the word activate just to make this point hit home. I appeal to you, therefore, activate church by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. A living sacrifice. Do you know the problem with living sacrifices? They keep crawling off the altar. When they're dead, they'll stay there. The problem with the living sacrifice is it says, I am not sticking around for this. And they'll just crawl off. They'll just leave. That's not the way that a living sacrifice is supposed to work. There is a great divide between what we believe and acting on that belief. A great divide. Here's another way. James puts it this way. James, he wrote a book of the Bible. This is how he puts it. He says, I'll show you what I believe I'll show you my faith in my actions. He called it works. I'll show you my faith. It will be clear to one and all that God is in me and that the Holy Spirit dwells in me. I'm going to make it so obvious to everyone that God indwells me and I'm going to show everyone in my thoughts and my behavior and in my actions. He wants to make the presence of God manifest. So I look at this question and I think, well, maybe I'm answering this question wrong. 
Maybe I'm answering this question wrong. I, I know how I could have answered this question today. What's it really like to follow Jesus? Oh, well, you know, guys, you know all the rules. Uh, uh, well, number one, you just pray every day. Now, all these things are actually real. So have a prayer life and like pray every day and, and fast without other people telling you to do it. And, and you just do it all of your own accord and, and spend that time with God and, and read his word, read the scriptures so that they get deep inside your heart. Trust God in every area of your life. And when it comes to your finances, just give and trust that God, give to what God says to give to, you know, sow and invest into your church so they can continue to expand and touch and reach people's lives. I know I could have said all that stuff to you. I could have given you that answer, but I thought there might be a better way to answer the question, what does it really look like to follow Jesus? What does it really look like? I'll just use one word to describe what it looks like. It looks risky. Honestly, it looks risky. Believers believe, but followers act. Believers believe, but followers risk. That's honestly what it feels like. And every time God has ever asked me to do anything, to be honest with you, it feels a little bit risky. And you know what it feels like? The first time you go to do anything, maybe to share a word of God with someone. There's a risk in that, you know. Maybe God's spoken to you and said, I want you to start a business. There's a risk in that, you know. I want you to start a ministry and commit to it. There's a risk in that. Everything God ever asked me to do, even though it was clear in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit that God had spoken to me, I want you to quit your job and take a role at church. Felt risky to me, but I trusted him. I want you to step out of the role that you're in and become the senior pastor of Activate Church. In all honesty, God, felt risky to me. It just feels risky. And it's not like you don't believe that God is sovereign. Come on, we all believe that God is sovereign. But you know what it really feels like? It feels like a risk when you do something and you haven't seen the outcome yet. And that's always the way that God works with us, isn't it? You're like, show me the outcome and then I'll act. He says, no, act and I'll show you the outcome. It's just the way that it works with God. If I was going to reduce the... Uh, the Christian lifestyle into two words, I would say hear and obey. Really, as a lifestyle, I would say hear and obey. Listen to what God says and act on it. I say this kind of thing. It's amazing what God teaches you through your kids. I was away recently um, on holidays, and there was this moment where I said to my kids, can you just listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth and then just do everything I say? And the moment that it comes out, I feel like I go, yes, I get it. I know God. They're my children and I'm your child. We all do the same thing. We do it to you. We hear him, but we don't necessarily always obey him. Why? Because it feels kind of risky. And when you want to be a serious follower of Jesus Christ, here's some of the things that you might risk. Your own pride. You'll risk pride. You might risk your reputation. You might risk being wrong. I had a friend of mine that encouraged me greatly one day. He said to me that he was at uni. As many years ago, he was at uni, 
And he felt like God said to him, I want you to go over there and speak to that man. His name is Bill. He said, all right. So he goes over there and he says, is your name Bill? And he says, no, I'm Tony. And he says, oh, forget it. Don't worry about it. Like just, I, I, I don't know. I, I must have been speaking to someone else. And he just walked away. And I always loved that story because he was willing to ask the question and discover that he was wrong. Do you know that even when you get it wrong, you learn something in the process, don't you? I mean, he just learned one more way to help narrow what he believed to be God's voice. Sometimes it's the only way that you know is to try. And here's my point to you. If you're on the altar, you'll do it. So here's my question. Are you on the altar or not? Why are you? Because if you're on the altar, you will risk these things. You will go after God. You'll risk being wrong. You'll, you'll risk uh, making a fool out of yourself. You know? you'll, you'll risk your reputation. You'll risk it when it comes to your finances. You'll risk it when it comes to your job. You'll risk it because you are a living sacrifice. That's your act of worship towards God. You say, God, I'll do anything that you want me to. Do you know what it looks like to follow Jesus? It looks like losing your life. But newsflash, Jesus said, the ones that lose their life will be the only ones that find it. And he said, the ones that try to hold on to everything and protect it and hold on to life, they'll be the same people that lose it. It looks like choosing his plans over your own. And it's it's not always easy to do that. I mean, come on, it's easy for me to preach it. It's not always easy to do it. You know what it feels like? It feels like sacrifice. One day, God, one day I will be a living sacrifice, but not yet. Not yet. I will get serious about this one day. I remember that conversation with God in my own life. I said to him, God, I said, one day I'll get serious about you, but not now and, and not today. I, I'm not willing to take that step and and, and lay down and sacrifice everything. I'll get serious, but, but one day. A lot can happen in a day. A lot can happen in a day. You know, Sarah and I, recently we started um, just buying some furniture for our house. And we went to a, a shop, a furniture shop. And um, the manager that was there, she was a very nice lady. And she served us and she did a great job and we bought this table and it got delivered some weeks later. And when it came to us, one of the legs was damaged. So um, Sarah called up and she said, hey, listen, one of the legs is damaged and could you please replace that table? And the manager, she got the manager on the phone and the manager was very nice. So she said, no problem, we'll, we'll send it right out to you and I'll be in touch with you, I'll, I'll let you know. So about six weeks go by, and I said to Sarah, hey, we still haven't heard anything from this person, from the manager of the store. Um, what's happening with our table? I said, you better call up and just double check. So Sarah calls the um, office and, and say, or the shop and says to them, listen, I called up probably about six weeks ago, and I spoke to the manager of the store, and I, I said that one of the legs on our table is damaged and they told me that they'd come straight back to us but we haven't heard anything and I'm just wondering if you could help me understand what's what's happened 
And the lady on the other end of the phone, she said, you know what? She said, I'm, I'm, I believe you made that phone call and I'm sure that you did. Um, when did you say you called? Sarah told her and she said, yeah. She said, that was our manager's last day. That was actually the last shift that she worked. And she said, oh, what happened? She said, well, the next day she died. And a lot of that information was just in her head. So the only way that we know that these things haven't happened is when people are just calling up and so we just have to keep telling people this same thing is that she died it was totally unexpected and the staff were completely broken and and upset about it and she was going to write it down she was going to write it down she was just going to do it tomorrow but a lot can happen in a day and i think what happens if you just keep putting things off till tomorrow What happens if you keep saying, yeah, I'll I'll get serious about this following you, Jesus. I mean, I'm I'm even talking to Christian people here. You're coming to church, you're you're doing all the right things, but in your heart, you know that there are things that God's asked you to do and you're not quite following him in the way that he wants you to do. I remember my one day. I remember my one day, in in truth, my life was a, a, a real mess at one point. And I remember saying to God, one day. I said, God, I've made so many bad decisions in my life, but if you can save me from the choices that I've made, you can have me. I said it this way. I said, if you can save me, you can have me. I made God a promise that day. What I was really saying to him is, if you help me get out of where I am right now, you'll have every part of me. You can have my time and you can have my energy. You can have my focus and you can have my future. And if there's ever a point, God, in the future that you ever say, Ben, I need you to lay down what you want and to do what I want. I just want to let you know that I will do that for you. I will do it for you. No matter what you ask me, God, I will lay down my life. I will sacrifice it. And, you know, every now and then, sometimes God asks me to do something that I don't want to do. And when he does... It just reminds me of the promise that I made. And I say to him, all right, well, I remember the promise I made to you that day. So God, all right, fine, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. And the amazing thing is, is that more I did what God wanted, the more I enjoyed that life. And the more I heard him and the more he'd speak to me and the closer our relationship grew, until one day I was sitting at work and God came to me and he said to me, you need to shut down your computer right now, get up and leave the office. You need to walk, go, go straight to your grandma's house. I said, okay. So I, I shut everything down, didn't tell anyone, packed all my stuff up, got straight in the car. You know, as I got in the car, I'm thinking, this is crazy. Like, what, what am I doing? Like, I'm going to have to explain this to the guys. Where were you for half the day? Oh, God told me to go to my grandma's house. This is a weird thing to do. But I get in the car and I, I traveled there and I, I get to my grandma's house. She lived in Vermont, worked in Ringwood, so it didn't take me long. And I knocked on the door, but there's no answer. And so I start to pound on the door just a little bit harder and I'm I'm yelling out Grandma, are you in there? And I hear this really faint little voice and she says Yep, I'm here. I said, okay. Could you let me in? And she said to me, just coming. I waited a couple minutes and I thought she's not coming. So I said, Grandma, you can't move, can you? And there's a long pause. And eventually, 
she swallows her pride and she says, no, I, I can't move, I'm stuck. I said, no problem, wait right here. I said, I'm going to go get some keys, I'm going to be back. Because I didn't know if she was just lying on the other side of the door. So I open the door and I go in and there she is lying there. And she'd been there for about a day. And so I pick her up, I scoop her up, I put in the chair, I call the ambulance, you know, and, and, and they come and they pick her up and I follow her to the hospital and they look after her and she recovers. She's still alive today, praise God. And, 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 and so she was okay, but I had this thought. What if I never acted on what I heard? What if I just dismissed it as foolishness? What if I said, God would never tell me to go to my grandma's house? I believe that if I hadn't have done that, that she would be dead today. But she's alive and she's well and she's okay because I heard and obeyed. I heard and obeyed. I said, it sounds strange, but I'm going to do it. Not my will, but your will. You say you want me to go there, I'll go there. You say you want me to do this, I'll do it. It seems kind of crazy, and sometimes it feels a little bit risky, but you know what I've discovered? That if you don't do what God asks you to do, you're not the only one that pays the price. There are people who are impacted by your obedience that will be in heaven and will be alive and will encounter the presence of God because you did what God asked, because you used your gifts, because you did everything that he asked you to do. See, here's what I want you to remember today. Just three things. Number one, every journey begins with a step. And no matter who you are, and you might be a Christian and you're here today, and you already say that you're a believer, you might be a believer, but today you say, I want to be a follower. You can make a decision today, and I'll tell you that God has a plan for every single person. I know it seems crazy to believe that, but it's true. You lay down your life for Him, and you see what He does with you. Number one, God has a plan for every single person on planet earth. Number two, don't be a believer. Make a decision to be a follower. And number three, I want you to risk it. I want you to risk it. Some of you have been hearing what God has been saying to you, but today I want you to risk it because if you don't today, your one day may never come. And I told you a lot can happen in one day. All over this place, every eye closed, every head bowed. If you want me to pray for you, here's what, here's what I'm going to pray. Don't put your hands up because if you do, I've got a feeling that God is going to meet you where you're at. So don't just automatically respond to this. But here's what I want to pray. I want to pray that you're going to give it all to God and that you're going to risk being a follower of Jesus. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. I want to pray for anybody that wants to risk it all for God and be a follower of Jesus. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.